0: So we are in the middle of our series, and um, we've been talking about praise specifically the last two weeks. Today we're going to discuss worship, and um, this is, to me, very powerful and very important. What we're going to be sharing, what I'm going to be sharing this morning, I believe, I truly believe has the potential to completely change your life. And most people, when we say we're going to be discussing worship, think I'm going to be talking about singing. Yes, I'm going to be talking about singing. But I don't think I'm going to be talking about it the way that you expect. If you remember, my my real title for this series is The Truth About Praise and Worship. And I believe that over the last two weeks, discussing part one and two of praise, we've established how powerful praise truly is. That praise has the potential when you do it, regardless of your circumstances, how you feel, that that God shows up in such a powerful way. And that one thing the enemy cannot handle is when somebody begins to praise God, even when their circumstances are the opposite of feel like praising Him. We saw clearly from Scripture that praise is actually an expression, something that we have to do. The Bible talks about praise as a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise. So when we bring our praises to God, we have to choose to make that sacrifice. Singing, clapping, dancing, praising Him. It actually requires us to do something. And the truth is, is that we have a choice. Now, everything that I'm saying is completely scriptural, and I preached it in the last two sermons. I can't go back and do it again, because I have some very important things to get to this morning. Worship for me is one of the things that I believe has completely changed my life. I remember as a young student in the Bible school, just recent, just after I had gotten saved, I would sit right on the end over there in, in the church in South Africa. It was a big church, much bigger than this one. And I would kind of be able to disappear, but I wanted to be right in the front because I didn't really want anybody around me. So I sat in the corner in the front And I remember the worship would go on sometimes for hours. We would have very long worship services. And I just used to get lost in the presence of God. I used to enjoy spending time in His presence so much. It was so powerful and it truly changed my life. I knew what it was like to know about God. I grew up in a wonderful Christian home, but I'd never encountered God personally for myself. And I'd never gotten to a place where where I I even thought that you could worship God that way, that you could completely surrender like that to God. I never thought it was possible. But I remember in the services, as soon as the worship would end, I would be so upset. Like, how dare the pastor want to preach now? You know, can't he tell that God is busy moving in the room? You know, it used to happen sometimes. It was just so wonderful. Don't get me wrong, the preaching was great, but the presence of God was something that I was desperately after, without fully understanding just how, just how, powerful its effects would be on my personal life and I want to share that with you this morning because I can honestly tell you that when you look at me as your pastor and wonder how is it that I can be so passionate and I can be so excited about God week after week year after year I honestly believe this is the secret that I've learned and I believe that that secret is worship I believe I have an understanding of just how powerful worship truly is and we're going to dive into that this morning. I don't want to say too much. But let's get into the, into the word this morning. We'll start in Psalm 95, verse number 6. Are you guys all okay this morning? Yeah. Amen. It's great to have you here. I'm so excited. I'm excited about this word. Psalm 95, verse number 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. See, the truth is, is that even in the wilderness, that the children of Israel tested God Even though God had revealed His goodness, His mercy, His provision, His deliverance to them. And it's so true in the life of believers. After we've encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, we've given our heart to Him. Many times we get to the same place where our hearts get hardened by all kinds of different things, different experiences. Church hurt, someone offended you, something happened, or you just lost your way, or you lost your passion. Something happened, but our hearts kind of grow weary or hard. And oftentimes, what ends up happening is we, we forget just how grateful we should be because of the mercy and goodness of God towards our lives. Some people, I taught you this last week, struggle to see that goodness and mercy. But the children of Israel, when they were in their worst hours, would call upon the name of the Lord and would honor Him based on who He is, that He is good. His mercy endures forever forever. His truth is everlasting and they would worship. And when they would do that, the enemy's camp would destroy itself. There would be deliverance for them when they would praise God. Praise has the potential to come in and set you completely free and shake everything off you when the enemy's coming at you. That's what praise does when you bring that sacrifice of praise. But worship is something that goes far beyond that. It's far more intimate. You see, When we talk about worship, the first thing that does tend to come to our mind is singing. And the Bible does tell us that we can sing worship. We can sing worship to God. We can praise Him with our lips. We can sing worship to Him. So that's absolutely true. It is a part of it. But the reason why we worship God is because we want to bring adoration. We want to adore Him. It's more intimate. Like Psalm 95 says there, it says that, that we kneel before the Lord, our make, maker. We worship and we bow down. So the expression is more of a, an expression of humility, of surrender. It's kind of a deeper expression, and we're going to really go into this this morning. So, you know, pra- praise is, is more expressive and loud and thanking Him and shouting and rejoicing, and it sort of breaks the, the power of the enemy, and it gets you to that place where you're now ready to go into his presence. Remember, I taught you that, that, that praise is one of the ways into the presence of God. We enter his courts and his gates with thanksgiving and praise, but then there is, a, there is a place to go beyond that. Many Christians never go beyond that. Most Christians, well, I wouldn't say most Christians, but a lot of Christians never go beyond praise, they never go beyond breakthrough into the place of true intimacy with God. And you must understand that this is one of the primary reasons that God created you and I, was to walk in intimacy with Him. Worship is a a form of thanksgiving, making vows, bowing down, going on your knees, lying prostrate, lifting hands. These are expressions of worship. But I want to tell you this morning that worship goes far beyond that as an expression. Worship is an extremely powerful thing. Worship is our response to God. And I think the thing about worship that's most powerful is that it is the very thing that will take you into God's presence. You see, the presence of God is so valuable. And unfortunately, there are so many Christians who don't understand the presence of God. And If you've been at Oceans for a while, I've spoken about this many times, the presence of God. There is a big difference between the omnipresence of God. You see, Psalm 139, verse number eight says, "If I ascend into hell, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you, are, you bed in hell. Behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, the psalmist is trying to let us know that God is everywhere." But that does not mean that he manifests his presence everywhere. He only manifests his presence in certain places, places where he is welcomed, places that have been prepared for his presence. There was a specific order, a specific design, a a design of what was required to bring the presence of God into the tabernacle. There was something required. God set it up a specific procedure, a specific way. And the Bible tells us about the presence of God with the children of Israel. Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys but if the cloud was not taken up then they did not journey till 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 the day that it was taken up for the cloud of the lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of israel throughout all their journey you see that they they understood that they needed the presence of god to go before them to lead them to guide them christian christian today also need the presence of God, but many Christians don't know the presence of God at all. They know nothing about it. They do not understand that we actually have access to that presence. We actually have access to that presence. And it's that presence that is extremely powerful. Take a look at what God says to Moses. In Exodus 33, verse 13, this is what he says, now therefore, this is Moses, I pray if I have found grace in your, sh- in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And look at God's response. And he said, my presence will go with you. And because his presence will go with you, something will happen. He says, and I will give you rest. You see, many Christians walk around with an upside down, up and down walk with God. One minute they're okay, the next minute they're not okay. The one minute God loves them, the next minute he doesn't love them. You see, what happens is when a Christian enters into the presence of God, he gives them rest, and then they operate out of that rest. They operate. Everything they do comes out of that rest. Now, there are many things that believers do. We pray, we fast, we read our Bible, we seek the Lord in different ways. But when we seek the presence, when we go after the presence, God says, I will give you rest and then everything that you do for God, your walk with God, your works with God, your desire to go after God comes out of that place of presence with Him, relationship with Him, intimacy with Him. So wanting to do good is natural, normal, not, not, not something I strive to do. I don't need to impress you with my works. Are you with me? But when, you, when you're in the presence, it like it just kind of flows out of you. It's just a desire that comes over you. You begin to want to do it. Moses understood this so clearly. So when God said, listen, you know, I'm going to send my angel before you. He said, if your presence doesn't go with me, we're not going. I can't do it, God. Because he understood that as a a child of, of, of God, that all the provision, all the protection, every supernatural act of God was because the presence was with the children of Israel. Moses understood this. Are you with me? Now I know many of you know that. And that's okay. That's good. You should know it. We should all know it. Many Christians don't know it though. They don't realize it. They don't realize that that it's the presence that's required. He says, I will give you rest. That's where every believer should eventually be. And you operate out of that place of rest and relationship with God. Now, Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, and you will seek me and find me. If you desire the presence, if you desire intimacy with God, the Bible says, if you seek me, you'll find me. But there is a condition. There is something more to this. He says, when you search for me with all of your heart. You see, when we read that, we think in our minds, That just a moment of surrender is is seeking Him with all of our hearts. In other words, Lord, yes, my whole heart. You've missed it. Your whole heart means that you have given yourself over to Him. It means that you have come to a place where you've realized that you can't do it on your own, that you need Him, that you rely on Him, that you trust in Him. Your will, your desires, everything. You say, God, listen, You've been good to me. Um, You know, God does many things for you, not because you deserve it, just simply because of His mercy. But if you want to enter into rest, if you want to go further, you must desire His presence. And you have to, if you really want that presence, if you really want to find God, the way to do it is to seek Him with your whole heart. You see, let me show you. 1 John 3.18 says this. My little children, let us not love in the word in, in, in word or in tongue. In other words, he's saying, Listen, many people will say that I love you or that, that I you know I love you, or, or they'll show they'll they'll do something that, that, to, to make it look like they love someone. But look at what he says. He says, But indeed, in other words, the way you live, the things you do, and I love the next part, and in truth, if we truly love. We will do it indeed and in truth. In other words, our lives will become truth. Our lives will become seeking Him, desiring Him. Are you with me? Listen, it's very quiet in Vero Beach this morning. You thought I was going to come and teach you about singing notes and stuff. No. I want to teach you what worship really is this morning. You see, Jesus showed us what real love is, what seeking people really is by giving His life for us. He gave His life. How many of you believe that that is real love? You see, the reason why most of you serve Him and believe in Him is because He died for you. He died for you. He gave everything for you. What we don't understand or what we don't realize Is that for us to go beyond salvation and just getting to heaven, there is something more for the believer. You see, God gave his life and he didn't do it so that you could just get to heaven. You see, God wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He wants to manifest himself to you. But it requires something from you too. Don't let them them try and teach you otherwise. The Bible is clear. Take a look. Galatians 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. What's his example? Who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, what happens is, When you praise God, you have to offer offerings and sacrifices of praise to Him. But when you begin to worship God, you become a sacrifice. And this is extremely important. The Bible says that we are living sacrifices. Many people will experience God in many different ways, but they will never experience His presence. And every believer is supposed to experience his presence. The veil was torn so that you could enter into the Holy of Holies. So that you could have intimacy and relationship with him. But no one wants to hear that they must become a sacrifice. You see, in your marriage, that's why the Bible likens it to a marriage. Because it's supposed to be like Jesus who gave his life for his bride. And that means that the bride must do the same in return. Imagine if a man gives up everything for his wife and then she says, thanks a lot, that's great. Now, because we're married, I have all the privileges and benefits, but listen, I'm gonna do nothing. No, she should lay her life down too. You too. And the Bible says that we become the sacrifice like Jesus did for us. You see, without sacrifice... You will never experience presence. As a a Christian, you can move into the things of the Spirit through many different ways. Anointing, you 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 can get gifts. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. There is impartation that comes through association and ministry, and I've taught you about all of that. But you cannot get the presence any other way than what I'm teaching you today. The presence, the manifest presence of God. Where God comes into the room and begins to change everything. He gives you rest. He touches you. He encounters you. It's one of the most powerful things. In fact, as a, as, a, as a pastor, it's the only thing that keeps me going. I chase after it. I pursue it with everything inside me. Every week I come here, I say, God, I need your presence. Lord, I need your presence. It's your presence that I hunger for because I know that when I walk up here and I begin to speak, my words are empty without His presence. They have nothing. They carry no weight in the Spirit. But when His presence is connected to my speech, it changes everything. While I speak, you can feel the presence. But it requires us to become a sacrifice. You see, your life has to be a life that says, God, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. Romans 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is something that's normal. As a believer, when you fully comprehend that Jesus gave his life so that you could have eternal life, you must understand that the way into his presence, not not being saved. You're already saved. It's a gift. It's grace. Aren't we thankful? I don't know about you. I'm grateful. But those who seek the Lord, those who seek him will find him. Those who truly seek Him with all of their heart, they will find Him. That means my ideas, my, 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 my ways, my perception of, of what I want Him to do has to go out, out the door. I have to fully surrender my heart to Him to experience His presence. In the Old Testament, we see, we see clearly from Scripture that God sends His fire on a sacrifice over and over and over. On Mount Carmel, when Elijah faces the prophets of Baal, Elijah first had to prepare a sacrifice. Once that sacrifice was prepared, he called on the Lord, and the Lord sent fire from heaven to consume that sacrifice. How many of you know that? And many times in Scripture, you will see this example. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1, Solomon is is consecrating the temple to God. He's consecrating the temple and he's brought sacrifices to the Lord. And he cries out to the Lord and speaks to the Lord about his relationship with him, his father's relationship with him and the future of Israel. And 2 Chronicles 7, one says this, when Solomon had finished praying, listen to this, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. Now watch. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. You see, the fire first has to come on the life of a believer. Many Christians will say this. I've heard it so many times, I've heard it as a pastor over and over. Pastor Alex, I can't feel the presence of God anymore. I used to feel the presence of God. The problem, the problem is your life is no longer a sacrifice. That's why the fire's not there anymore. The fire precedes the glory. Did you see it? The fire first fell on the sacrifice and then the glory comes. You see, the fire must fall on you first, because when the fire falls on your sacrificed life, it begins to change you. It begins to purge you, transform you. Are you with me? Watch what it says. It says, The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. We don't really need to read further from there. You see, singing is a wonderful part of our worship. And and standing and raising our hands is a form of total surrender. That's why you should never mock anybody that raises their hands. They're surrendering to God. But the truth is, is that that's not real worship. It's a part of worship, but true worship is actually when you have said, Lord, here's my life. This is a hard thing. If they teach you it isn't, they're not telling you the truth. I know this is a little uncomfortable, but this is the truth, guys. Praise is when you offer sacrifices. Worship is when you become a sacrifice. Worship is when you say, Lord, here I am, I surrender to you. Worship is when you say, here God, here's my life. I want to change. I want to be used by you, God. Anything for your presence, God. Anything for more of you, God. That's when His fire falls on you. And once His fire has fallen on you, that's when you begin to enter into His presence. That's what happens. It's a powerful thing. You see... That's why you can come to a worship service and everybody can be singing, but there's no presence. Why? Because there's no sacrificed lives. There's no sacrifices in the room. But when there's, even sometimes there'll be one person, one person who who has given their heart to God, who seeks God with their whole heart and they begin to worship. They may not even sing well, that's why your talents and your gifts are wonderful. But what's important is not your talents or your gifts, it's your consecration to God. Because it's out of your consecration and your commitment to him and your giving your life to him that just that that that, that presence flows out of that. You don't have to be a good singer, but it does help if you're on the on the platform. Amen. <laughs> Elijah did say bring me a, a skilled minstrel. You know, he wanted someone with a bit of talent, you know. But I have been in services, God, guys, when someone sings, they cannot sing. But man, the presence of God is there. Because their life is different. They have begun to seek Him. They have begun to pursue Him. The truth about worship is this. It requires your sacrifice. Not for you to give it, for you to become it. And then the fire will fall on your life, on your sacrificed life, and you will be able to enter into his glory, into his presence. And you will, you will see the effects of it everywhere you go. People that have entered the presence of God, people that have, 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 have caught this, when they pray, it's different. When they speak, it's different. Their worship is different. See, sometimes you'll be in a service and you'll look around and you won't understand why that person is on their knees and tears are streaming down their face. There's a reason for it. They're having an encounter with the Lord. You can't feel anything. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm not mocking you, I, I, I know it's hard sometimes. Most of the time, people can't feel the presence of God because they have not become a sacrifice. That's the reason. You want to know the reason, that's the reason. You can come to church every Sunday. But if you truly want to experience the presence, it's going to require you to become a sacrifice so that His fire can fall and His presence can come. Is everybody okay this morning? All right. I'm almost done, don't worry. Amen. True worshipper is a living sacrifice. The Bible gives us an incredible example of this in Scripture. In Luke chapter 7, verse 37, a woman comes to a house where Jesus is with Pharisees having a meal. And when this woman walks in the room, everything changes. The Bible tells us, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, some say she was a prostitute. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil And everybody in the room got very upset with Jesus that He was allowing this. Sometimes you see someone giving extravagant worship and you want to mock them. You don't know their story. You don't know where they come from. You don't know the pain that they've experienced and how God has redeemed them. This woman comes in the room. She couldn't have been very wealthy. But that box of of oil, of Picanard oil, the oil, was worth a year's wages, they say. And in fact, the Pharisees get upset. Even the disciples get upset. But but Jesus watched her as she came and surrendered all that she had to Him and broke that box of fragrant oil, and it releases an aroma in the atmosphere that has the potential to change everything. This woman was definitely never the same again. But it requires coming to a place of sacrifice. So true worship is sacrificial sacrificial worship. The Bible talks about the true worshipers worshiping in spirit and truth. That's what this really is, is getting to a place of total surrender in God, in His will, in His way. And guys, the truth is, that's not easy. The gospel is not cheap. It cost him his life. If you think that you're going to walk in the power of God and the presence of God and be used by God and experience all the blessings and you must just do nothing, you're fooling yourself. The truth about worship is that true worshipers are those that come and say, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, Lord, use my life, God, whatever it takes, whatever the sacrifice, here I am, God, I give my whole life to you, I give my whole self to you, God, my family and and me, Father, we serve you, we give our hearts to you, we give our lives to you, and it goes far beyond words only, it has to be the way that you live, it has to, it has to transform, transport into what you, what you do and how you live your life. It becomes who you are. You become a living sacrifice. Amen. 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 God is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Worshippers, people that will come and give their whole hearts to him, their whole lives to him. And he responds by bringing and sending his fire onto that offering, onto that sacrifice. That will change you forever. And then his presence comes. The aroma comes afterwards of his presence. I've either got your attention or you have no idea what I'm saying. (laughs) This is this is this is this is what it's all about guys. This is what it's all about. You just you can tell the Lord is here right now. His presence is here even now because many of you are busy surrendering even now. The church has become powerless because the church does not desire and hunger and thirst for God the way we should. But let someone step up and say, here I am, God. I am a man of unclean lips. And a coal of fire will be placed on your mouth and you will never be the same again. You cannot be the same. that's why I can do this week after week after week, and I still, no matter how hard the week was, no matter how difficult it was, my family, there's my father, here's my wife, they'll tell you, I complain, I have bad weeks, it's rough, but I get up here on Sunday, and the fire's still here, the presence is still here because I hunger and I thirst and I long for him, and I want to change whatever's bad in me, I want it gone. Lord, I desire you with my whole heart, and it's for every one of us. this is not for pastors. this is not for evangelists or prophets. This this has nothing to do with gifting. This is for every believer. The presence is for every one of us. But it has to be your choice. I had a young man in the first service that came to me at the end of the service. He was completely broken. And he, oh, he just began to empty his heart out to me. It was so powerful. Young man. I cannot tell you the details. And he was not a Christian that's been saved for a long time. He was a young guy that probably didn't know a whole lot, really. But he came forward and he was like, I need to change. I want that presence. Some of us have been serving God for so long, we've forgotten. You are not saved to make it to heaven only, guys. Yes, that's your destination. Thank God. But on this earth, you have been called to walk with him and have relationship with him. Listen, the Bible says that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do this and do that? And he said to me, I did not know you. Now, that's not you. I'm just telling you that even sometimes preachers that look gifted and talented, that doesn't mean that they have the presence in their life. They're walking with God. You cannot make this up. It's either there or it isn't. That's why David said, Lord, do not take, you can take everything from me, but do not take your presence from me. Because he understood the value of the presence of God. And as I look in this room, some of you I know, and I know you've encountered the presence in a very powerful way, the presence of God for your own lives. Never lose that fire. The fire stops when the sacrifice stops. That's why the Bible says that we should be, we should pick up our cross daily. Because it's a daily thing, guys. It's not a feeling. It's a lifestyle. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are talking about worship. It feels like we haven't even begun to discuss it. But yet I honestly believe, Father, that Jesus said that the Father is seeking those who will worship Him. Those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Those who will have a desire go after you Lord with their whole hearts not only in word but in deed and in truth Father let us become living sacrifices it's the least we could do like Paul says it's our reasonable service Jesus you gave everything for us so this morning in this place here we are God like that woman, full of imperfections. And all we can bring you is our lives. The woman began to wash his hair, wash his feet with her hair, which represents her glory. In the Bible days, a woman's hair was her glory. It's an absolute ultimate picture of total sacrifice. Father, let our lives be like that this morning. Regardless of our, our false God, we've made many. But if there's one thing the enemy cannot take from us, it's our worship. And this morning in this place, we choose God to worship you. We bring our lives before you, Lord. Here we are, God. Send us, use us, Lord. Fill us, encounter us, God. And we shall, we will never be the same again, Lord, because of your presence. I've taught the church on the presence. Father, this morning, I pray that you will put a desire in the hearts of every individual in this room to seek you with all of their heart, because your word tells us that if we do that, we will find you. And so I pray right now, Lord, under the sound of my voice, watching online in this room, that you will begin to just touch their hearts, Lord. Draw them to you, God, the way only you know how the word says that the Holy Spirit draws us to himself. So draw us, Father, this morning. We're so grateful that we have this privilege, Lord, of knowing you. And so we surrender ourselves to you this morning, Lord. I'm not gonna call you to the front or ask you to raise your hand or anything like that, but there where you are in your seat, can I challenge you this morning? If you really mean business with God, to to make a declaration to him, to make a commitment to him this morning. Worship is paying homage, is making vows, is saying to God, here I am, Lord. And if you feel that you are one of those that that, that feels that way this morning, I don't want to see you. It's for him to see you. Right there where you are in your seat. Cry out to him, speak to him. You don't have to do it loud. It's just between you and him. This is an intimate thing. Just speak to him right there where you are in your seat. I'm just gonna give you a minute. I'm just gonna be quiet for just a moment. Please nobody move around or nobody say anything. Just intimate, just an intimate moment between you and God. We thank you this morning for what you have already done for us. It's it's in perspective now, Lord. We see it. We have a lot to worship you for, to praise you for, to give thanks to you for. And so here we are this morning in this place. Many of us, God, and our lives are yours. Have your way, Father. Jesus taught his disciples. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We always say it, Lord, your will be done in our lives. Here we are, God. Lord, I pray that you would reveal your presence to every individual who hungers and thirsts for you. Every individual that makes and consecrates themselves, their lives to you as a living sacrifice, Lord. That they would enter into that rest with you, God. And be secure in who they are with their relationship with you based on the sacrifice that Jesus made. And our response is is an easy one when we fully comprehend your mercy and your grace. Now I pray, Father, that you will strengthen each and every person as they leave this place. That your grace and your mercy will follow them, God. And that they will be seekers of your presence. And that, Father, we will walk in it all the days of our lives. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. And we honor you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.